Blog Talk Radio. And action. This is all about wine. The to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around, the, around world. the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BCR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BCR. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ron. I'll tell you what, though, this, this room I'm in tonight, I'm in a different room tonight. For all of you listening out there, you might hear an echo in the background. I'm, in, I'm not in my normal spot. I'm in another room. And it's giving me an echo. But, boy, it sure sounded good when I said all about wine, along with the opening. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll look at it. Sure. <laughs> that was so much better. Yes, it sounded so much better. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Well, Today is May the 12th, 2022 at 7.01. We have a guest tonight, uh, Bradley DeWitt, or DeWitt, I'm not sure, DeWitt or Wet. I think it's DeWitt. Uh, he is the Tasting Club founder and CEO, and he will talk to us about tasting clubs and uh you know, joining tasting clubs and off-site tastings and all sorts of good stuff like that. A bunch of stuff. Uh, So, uh, as soon as he joins us, he's supposed to join us a couple minutes after the hour. And so, uh, he'll probably be kicking in pretty soon here. Let's see quickly here what we've got coming up for this next week in anything of importance before... March, April, and May. Okay, here we go. Today is the 12th. Mimosa Day is Sunday the 16th, or Monday the 16th. Pinot Grigio Day is the 17th. And the 15th, I'm having a hard time keeping my headphones adjusted, right? And the 15th is Wine Day. I don't have it written here for some reason, but I'm getting emails from different places saying that month, or the 15th is National Wine Day. But on my calendar, I show the 25th as National Wine Day. So I am a little bit confused on that. So we'll find out, see if I can find out more. But as of right now, I think the 25th. But you can also celebrate Sunday the 15th as National Wine Day, and then if you're wrong, no big deal. You do it again on the 25th. So that's always a good way to do it. Just, you know, cover your all bases that way. And then, um, let's see, that's all that's going on this week. Uh, so, uh, hmm, yeah, that's it. So, again, Mimosa Day is the 16th. Pinot Grigio Day is the 17th. Maybe the 15th National Wine Day or the 25th. Uh, oh, we have our guest online. Let me put this stuff away so I won't drop it while we're talking. And let's bring him on. Welcome to the show, Bradley. Thanks so much for having me, Ron. I'm um, oh, really excited to chat pleasure. with you today. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, so I was just, do you know, is it the 15th or the 25th National Wine Day? I do not know. <laughs> you know I, well, I had it written in my calendar the 25th, and I'm getting, I, I'm seeing emails pop up talking about, you know, celebrating it on the 15th. And I, 
it threw me off. So I'm not sure which date it is. Like I just said, though, it, it doesn't hurt to celebrate both of them. I mean, you know, you can always right, right. You can have, never you can never celebrate wine too much, right? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, well, uh, you are the Tasting Club founder and CEO of the Tasting Club. Now, I was looking through you. You sent me emails and a bunch of information on that, which was absolutely fascinating. I thought there was, uh, especially some of the statistics and all that that you show. So tell us about the Tasting Club and about yourself and how you found the Tasting Club and why did you find the Tasting Club and what is the purpose of the Tasting Club? A whole bunch of questions there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um well, first off, uh, Tasting Club is a um, a marketplace for virtual tasting experiences. So um, we offer wineries a technology platform to be able to uh, list different virtual tasting experiences that come with a tasting kit and an hour of facilitation time from somebody at the winery. And so um, – we're really uh, looking to think the purpose and the reason why um, me and my co-founder, Joao, decided to uh, start this business was um, one of the things that we realized um, in the middle of the, the pandemic that was um, interesting to us was how much people really connect over uh, food and drink. And um, the idea of being able to have people maybe miles and miles apart um, and jump onto some sort of a virtual call um, to be able to connect is great uh, in terms of being able to communicate with one another. But the thing we're all really looking for is uh, a shared experience. And um, when you bring in an element like tasting the same wine at the same time with a group of people, um, when you have that visceral point in common, it really makes the overall experience a shared experience as opposed to just getting on a call and doing the catch-up or just communicating with one another. And so the first thing was we really wanted to help people connect with one another over um, tasting something together. And then the second part of this was to really help wineries understand what was changing over the course of the pandemic and helping them understand how a virtual tasting experience could really become part of a standard marketing and sales channel for themselves to be able to help them grow and compete in the overall um, wine industry. And so we're really building technology to help them do that as well. So that's a little bit about the, the origin story and why we decided to create a, a company that was all about helping wineries um, do virtual tasting experiences and help people participate in virtual tasting experiences in a way that's much easier than doing it on their own. Mm, sounds fascinating. Do you and your partner have winery backgrounds? Or are you just imbibers that enjoy it and want to bring more people in? Or what was, uh, what was the motivation behind all that? Yeah, I think part of the motivation is my my wife and I, we live in, in Virginia. And so Virginia, mm. there's plenty of wineries around. And it so is. we really like going to wineries ourselves just as not because necessarily we want to be sommeliers, but more so because of the fact that we just like the experience of going and um, trying new things and learning more about wine. And um, I think the other thing for me and my background with wine was that my um, – uh, my parents are both from South Africa, and so oh, right. my uh, yes, yeah, and so wine has always been a big thing in my family. My mother has done many wine courses and even worked in a wine store for a while when I was growing up, and so I was always brought up around wine and socialized around wine. So um, it was sort of part of the family, and I, I think also for my 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 mother in particular being from South Africa and being in the U.S., it was also a point of pride with just the fact that there are so many great wines that come um, from, the, you know, the, the Cape region and things like that. Oh, yeah. So um, that was also part of, I think, the, the, the background for myself in a while. Now, my co-founder, Joao, is actually located in Portugal, and so there's oh, obviously wow. a really great wine history in Portugal as well. And so... 
um, it just sort of uh, our experience with wine, while not being you know, sommeliers or really steeped in a ton of knowledge about wine, or you were, we were very um, familiar with it and comfortable with it. Uh, so it made sense for us, and based on the way that we connected with people and socialized with people, and um, it just the the ideas sort of made sense for us to get involved. Now. We both have a background in software professionally, so that's mm-hmm. also where the, the sort of connection comes in as well. So everything just sort of came in the perfect storm there, and every, all of you can, both you and your partner can just put all this together and all that. And I, and I'm going to point out, well, one thing I want to do before we go any further, I want to apologize for the background noise. This is normally not my uh, place of doing uh, uh, these bro- uh, podcasts. I'm at my mm-hmm. uh, stepson's house, and we have grandchildren running around. And the noise you're hearing in the background is them not being respectful to my bo- podcast. But I want to apologize <laughs> for that. But um, that's okay. You're, you're, uh, you, you mentioned something about not being sommeliers. I mean, it, you know, it's just a matter of doing the tests and all that. And you know, so it's nothing to be, you know, concerned about. You know, the knowledge that you seem to possess is enough to really handle everything that you want to do. And so, uh, you know, being a sommelier mm-hmm. is not, doesn't seem like it's something that needs to be required there. Um, so you're, so you put this, this program together, uh, mm-hmm. uh, take winery, you know, uh, good wine winery. Tell me what you do with them. Yeah, so what we would do with them is um, we'd have them create a tasting kit of some kind, whether that be, you know, two bottles of wine, three bottles of wine that get sent out, or if they have a more advanced kit where they might have sample sizes, um, whether they, you know, be in some sort of like airplane bottles or things like this, right? There's been a lot of people that have been experimenting with smaller format packaging, um, and right. uh, with positive results. I think it's oh, tricky wow. oftentimes. It, it's, it, that's usually – so anyway, to, to finish off here, right, you, two bottles of wine, three bottles of wine, or some sort of a tasting kit, right? And so that tasting kit we would then put, put up on our site for people to be able to um, request the tasting experience with. And then that group um, would be able to – uh, um, request a date and a time with the facilitator of the experience. There's always one facilitator with the experience, whether it's the winemaker or somebody else from the winery itself. And they request that date and time. As soon as that date and time is approved by the uh, facilitator, they will get uh, that group will get a link back where they can then go to. They can get it can send out to the entire group. Everybody puts in their address information. People can pay for it on their own cards if they want to, or the entire group can put it on one card if they want to. And once all of that is finalized, uh, tasting kits are shipped out to everyone's address, and then everybody gets a calendar invite on their calendar to jump onto a uh, video conferencing call where uh, they'll meet up with the winemaker who might be facilitating the experience, and then their group of 5, 10, 15 friends can do it, or it might be a larger group if it's a corporate experience that might be happening. And everybody jumps on and tastes the wine together. Um, and facilitators, we try and coach up the facilitators around, hey, how do you make this a really engaging, interactive experience um, and really elicit, right? Like, okay, who likes what, right? What, is, what, other, what other people are saying? These tasting notes say these things, right? Does anybody actually get those things or does somebody get something completely different, right? And actually tries to, you know, get people to talk about the thing that they are experiencing in that moment as well as give them a little bit of a, what I would call edutainment around, um, the wine itself, the winery, what that story is, so people can really get an understanding of the origins of um, what what they're drinking. Oh, sounds fascinating. You mentioned something. I'm going to visit it again before we go on and before I forget. Smaller bottles, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I re, you know, you have your 750 milliliter, you have your 375, which yep. people like because it's small. But your then, half bottles, yep. Yeah, half bottles. But then you you mentioned smaller bottles, airplane bottles. Those things are, are small. Yeah. They're what you know, uh, 
125 milliliters? Maybe, like, yeah. or two ounces, you know, or some of those smaller ones. Wow. Yeah. They're actually it's, it's complicated for many wineries. Yeah. I, I, so part of, I think, one of the things that we're really hoping to prove to, to wineries around the world is to show them that um, bottling in smaller format packaging from the very beginning of saying we're going to put 1%, 2% of our vintage into some sort of small format packaging as a way of being able to continuously create some sort of tasting kit or mix and match those particular things um, so that it can become an introduction point for their brand to people that maybe can't come to their tasting room, right? Um, The virtual experiences that we're offering never replace going to a winery, going to a tasting room, and actually having that experience. Never will, right? Yeah. It can be a really great stepping stone to introduce people to or help them understand who your winery is, um, and it can be a really great experience for others to be able to just connect, right? So the problem with our small format packaging is oftentimes many wineries are bottling just into our, the, the standard format of the 750 ml bottle. And then if they want to create some sort of a smaller format packaging, they're having to uncork bottles and then pour it <laughs> into some smaller bottle, right? And that's, that has that. a lot of problems yeah. Yeah. because now you have to worry about oxidation of the wine and the quality of it and whether it's going to degrade over time, and nobody likes that, right? There was a time at which 15 years ago or so, People were trying to do this. Um, there was a company that had figured out a way of saying, hey, well, we'll actually create a vacuum anaerobic environment where we can uncork these bottles and then pour them into smaller format containers, and we can actually you know, create these tasting kits. Hmm. It didn't last very long. Um, from the research that I've done, I think the reason why it didn't last that long, because at the time it was really being sold as a, here's an introduction, buy this tasting kit and figure out which wines you would like to buy from our winery. <laughs> and I think that, I think that the, uh, I think that wineries sometimes maybe Ron, I don't know if you can relate to this, right. At being a winemaker yourself, but sometimes um, winemakers forget about the fact that most of the time when people are coming to experience wine, they're really coming for that shared social experience. Oh, and yeah. that it's, it really it's the stories. And sold yeah. as a group. And so because of the fact that it really wasn't being – it was sort of being sold to individuals, it's very rare, I think, that anybody comes into a tasting room by themselves Right? It's usually a group of people, and so it really needed to be sold as a group experience. Um, but there are complications, I think, with the, the small format. We are looking for that partner that really understands how to do this very well for wineries, such that um, more of these tasting kits can be uh, created, um, and there is a very standard pro- process for this. But I think the bottling process for wineries in general is, is not standardized across the board by any means. Um, there are so many different elements going on, and everybody's doing it a little bit differently. So it's sort of hard to figure out, hey, here's the exact recommendation that everybody should be using for how to create these small format tasting kits. Well, you know, the thing is that people used to come in. I, I had a winery close to down in 2016. And people used to come in and say, do you have a smaller size? I had all uh, 750 mils. And they said, do you have a smaller size? And I go, no, I, I don't. And they said, oh, we'd really like to get some smaller size because it's I'm an individual or stuff like that. I checked into pricing. It costs us as much to bottle a 375 milliliter bottle, at, uh, a bottle everything, you know, the glass, the corks, the capsules, everything, as it did for a 750. And so the cost factor almost was negligible in the difference, and yet people expected to pay, you know, a little over a half the cost of a 750. And I think that might be part of it too, especially now with the uh, supply, supply chain, chain and issues. All that. Yeah, it, it's just. It, I don't the, think that that's made it any easier. I agree. Yeah, the co- it definitely does cost more to. to 
to package in this way. I think this is exactly the reason why it hasn't happened, right? Why people don't want to do this. It, there, it's also true that it hasn't necessarily been proven out that having this sort of an introductory point for people that can't come and visit your wineries can be super um, helpful for you in finding new customers, growing new customers. And so in the same way that you might think about like, hmm, we're going to go and you know do some free tastings uh, somewhere to introduce more people to our wine or go to a festival and spend money and maybe we break even on going to the festival based on <laughs> you know the the costs right and and so on and so yeah. forth maybe it actually makes sense to have a certain amount of that uh, on hand to be able to get the new people in the door but those dots haven't been connected for people yet and it hasn't really been proved out so there's no reason why people would be arbitrarily taking the risk to do that, as you said, to, to bottle in a way that's more expensive when you don't know that it's going to have some sort of a positive outcome for you. Exactly. And I, I think when you start saying even smaller bottles than the 375, uh, it has to be almost totally cost prohibitive, um, no matter how you look at it, unless it's just promo type things. Uh, you... Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was looking, <laughs> you sent a link, and I thought it was a fascinating link, uh, to uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank does a direct-to-consumer wine survey report, and uh, it yeah. comes out every year, you were saying, and this is the one I was looking at, it was 2021. Uh, fascinating information on there, I mean, with, without question, they really do have a lot of information on there, but the... Uh, more expensive wineries and more expensive wines tend to be able to put more money into things like tasting clubs and off-site tastings, but their cost mm-hmm. of the bottles, do people really, I mean, I, what's my question here? I, <laughs> it, it's cost. <laughs> It, it costs so much for their bottles. The people out there who do the virtual tastings do it just because they can say, oh, I just tasted a $150 bottle of wine on this tasting here, and it was great and it was wonderful. And then somebody said, did you buy it? Well, no, it was $150. You know, And so uh, right. <laughs> it is the higher-end Wineries, the ones that do charge more, there's a lot. Napa, I understand, and stuff like that. Do these wineries really get involved in these virtual tastings as much as your mid-range wineries? So I would say, I think in that report that you're looking at there, it definitely does. It's a Silicon Valley bank report, right? So you're obviously Mm -hmm. going to be heavily weighted towards – you know, wineries that are in the Napa region, in the Sonoma region, um, in California, and the like, right? Um, And I think they have some statistics along with that report to sort of show, like, what the overall distribution for different wineries are. To answer your question about the wineries that really are participating in these sorts of things, I think what there's a lot of there's a lot of wineries that figured out that premium experiences are a way to be able to make um, money in a way that isn't just necessarily selling their wines, whether that be premium in-person experiences, um, coming to their wines and doing private tastings, uh, in-person tastings with a a group of people, um, or doing that for their club members, um, these sorts of things, right? I think the idea that the premium experience is a way to be able to um, – make significant revenue, I think, really has caught on. Um, in terms of actually doing virtual experiences, I think the, the the larger, maybe more expensive per bottle wineries, right, um, are definitely doing these sorts of things, and they're tending to wait towards the corporate experience. And it's mm. the law firms, it's the um, you know, financial companies and the like that are doing these sorts of things. They might even be doing it as an employee appreciation event. They might be doing it as a client appreciation event, maybe gifting something to their clients as their mm-hmm. thank you um, for the for the year, right? 
Um, so I think the the larger, more expensive um, bottles, they don't have anything to lose with doing these things oftentimes because they're not they're still charging the same sort of prices for their wine when they do these events. Um, and they can, you know, uh, there is a, because it is an experience, they can sort of charge a premium for it as well. Right. Um, so it's not just like e-commerce, like buying wine. You're, you're, it's, it's an experience that you can sell. And so you can actually make significant revenue from saying, doing a corporate event with a hundred people that you're sending, you know, wine bottles to, um, that being the case, though, it's like anybody, whether you're a small or a medium-sized winery, can also make significant revenue from doing large events like that. And so the question, I think, really becomes is as you sort of scale that down, right, where does it make sense? So there's, the wineries that we work with tend to fall into two buckets. They're either interested in doing events because they are looking for generating revenue as a result of just doing the events themselves, meaningful revenue from doing the events themselves, or they're a smaller to medium-sized winery that wants to do these sorts of events because they're looking to grow their customer base, they're looking to um, expand those people that know about their brand. Um, and so they're willing to you know, maybe do the tasting experiences at cost for themselves in order to be able to get more exposure to new people. Um, so it becomes more of a marketing expense for them as opposed to necessarily a revenue driver. Now, the future vision that we have, while we have this sort of experience right now of, hey, you can list your teasing experiences, you can go and purchase them there, that all makes everything run a little bit more efficiency, efficiently and helps you save time and money. But what we really want to get to is actually putting out a virtual conferencing tool that will be specific for tasting experiences. So imagine on the right-hand side of your screen as you're in a video conference, you've got a picture of the item that is being tasted at the time. The facilitator can change the featured item, and maybe you have notes about it. You could take, you can make your own comments about mm. those items. And then if they do have an online store, if you are in the middle of that virtual tasting experience and you taste something that you like, great, you could build a cart right then and you could buy something if you wanted to. Oh. In the same way that if you were at the tasting room, you would be able to buy a bottle of something that you would like or join the wine club, right? And I think this is where we really look to connect the dots between getting that virtual tasting experience and having that virtual audience for that winery and then allowing for those people to seamlessly join the club if they want to during that tasting experience or purchase a case of something that they tasted that they liked during that tasting experience. And it's not something that the facilitator has to push on the, the uh, audience. They can do the tasting experience, and the people there will see it. It's right in front of them. They can take advantage of it if they want to. So that's, that's not quite here yet, but that's the vision for where we're going. Uh, how close are you to that? Yeah, um, we are probably uh, several months away from really? having yeah. that tool in place. Yeah, um, so it, it's um, it's a matter of uh, you know I think a little bit of investment um, and making sure that we've got that that investment in place for us to be able to uh, hire the people in order to be able to build that. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's probably still a few months away before we really get there. And I think that will really help the wineries um, that we work with understand how to um, – this can really be a, a tool that helps them grow their, their business. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, going through you to do this stuff. I'm a winery. I want to go through you. How much is this going – and you don't need to give me specifics because, you know, I yeah. – you know, I don't care, but how much is this going to cost per person or per event or whatever? What? Uh, yeah. What is, so I think you know, there's two sides of this, right? There's the side of the, the, those that are uh, purchasing the experiences. And we leave it up to the wineries to be able to decide what the pricing per person should be, right, or per kit should really be um, right. for um, each person. And so they range between $50 to $150 depending upon – um, sort of the event and maybe who the facilitator is. Um, when it comes to the price, and we are in the, in the middle of sort of uh, 
experimenting with what the wineries that we're working with really prefer. And so um, it'll be uh, likely some sort of a base price subscription um, that people will pay uh, or that wineries would pay to be able to use the technology to be able to list these tasting experiences, have a page where all of their uh, tasting experiences are listed that they can link to on their website um, and uh, uh, do the, those sorts of things. And that base subscription, they'll get the technology that, they, that makes them more efficient to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. The next step might be once we have our virtual conferencing tool in place, there might be a fee for uh, or some sort of a, a fee per person that ends up subscribing to their wine, uh, wine club as a result of being in that tool. Um, so we believe that there'll be a baseline subscription for the, the price of this, and that'll be like a monthly subscription. It'll probably be somewhere between 30 to $80 a month. We're still figuring out exactly what the pricing should be. Um, and then there'll be some other, um, you know, maybe variable cost depending upon maybe the number of people that come to your tasting experiences, um, whether that's a uh, dollar per person that comes or there's some other sort of variable cost element to the way that we do things such that we can be aligned in helping to drive more customers to them in the same um, uh, and, and know that we're incentivized to do that for them too. Is the tasting club going to be a middleman or are you going to be independent? The reason I'm asking is if I have a question about a certain wine, can I go through the Mm. tasting club to get my answer or am I going to have to try to navigate getting into the wine, uh, the winery? Yeah, that's a good question. I think when it comes to the experiences themselves, we will be there in order to be able to take the support questions around how does this work and, and, um, try and help with that. But in terms of actually directing customers towards wineries, we don't want to be a middleman in the sense of um, sort of uh, protecting. We don't want to hoard all of the customer information and not provide that to wineries. We want to make sure that they have email addresses and that they have um, the contact with the customers. And so if a customer does have a question about those wine in particular, we're going to encourage them to go to the winery um, because of the fact that that is what we are trying to help those wineries do. We're trying to help them grow their businesses. And so we need those customers going to those wineries in order to be able to do that. I see. So, so, does that so basically, your question, Ron? it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, well, okay. the reason I'm asking is I'll have a bottle of wine and yeah. It'll say a red blend, and I'll look all over the bottle, and I don't see what the grapes are in it. And I want to know what the grapes right. are that in that. And right. so, you know, and there's no way to find the uh, how to get a hold of the winery. So I know how to do it. I look up. I have my big wine book, and I look it up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I call them, and I say, what's this blend? And invariably, I get the tasting room. And the young uh-huh. people who are working in the tasting room, and and that's not a jab because most of the time it is young people that are learning the business. And the young people right. in the tasting room, I ask them, what is the blend? And they say, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. And of on average, I get back about 50% of the calls uh, telling me what the blends wow. are. And I, you know, I, 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 it's frustrating. And that's why I was asking if you know maybe you had some sort of – program that would answer questions like that and stuff like that. But, you know, mm. if you're guiding back so to the repository and database. Yeah. Right, right. I, I don't know if we would get into the business of doing that. Maybe further along down the line, if it's something that lots of people would be asking for, then yes, we, we, maybe we would jump into that. I think there are other tools out there that are already doing a, a pretty good job of this mm. um, and providing that context and that database. Um, so I, the, the names of those particular products are slipping my mind at the moment, but I know there are some good ones out there that help with, um, you know, being able to answer those sorts of questions for people. Um, but, uh, but right. Yeah. So I don't, maybe, I think it's probably the answer to your question. We're not planning to do that right now. But who knows what's going to, you know, open up in the future. Uh, you are a pandemic company, and meaning simply I, you – became what you are because of the pandemic, right? Wrong? 
Is this something that you started before? Pandemic inspired is what I would say for sure. Okay. Um, the, uh, but I think, you know, when it comes to uh, the idea of doing these experiences, I think the because of the fact that we've become accustomed to the idea of doing virtual, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. – um, we're just much more familiar with that now. And with the way that I think remote work is not going away, it's probably less there'll be less remote work than there was peak pandemic, just like there'll be less virtual tasting experiences um, than there were peak pandemic. But I think on average, if you think about before versus after, it's going to be much higher. And so Mm -hmm. there is a potential to just continue to, rather than think about the virtual experience as an either or, um, either we really, you know, we do things in person or we do things virtually, I think it's an and. It's a both mm-hmm. end. Um, and now that we've learned more about how to do this, now that customers have become much more accustomed to this idea and have become familiar with this idea, it's worthwhile to invest in having that be a part of things. But I think pandemic-inspired would be appropriate uh, way to characterize us for sure. Yeah, that, that's a good use of a word there, yeah, inspired. Uh, the virtual tasting zone, you mentioned that you think it's going to fade back, but I think virtual tastings are something that exploded during the pandemic and is going to continue to gain speed simply because, you know, I'm sitting here at home in in Florida. You are at home in Virginia, and we want to do a tasting of a series of wines from, say, you know, Pennsylvania or, you know, California or anywhere. The virtual tasting would be the ideal way to do it, something like you just mentioned. So I think the more companies that have that, the better it is for people to experience other wineries around the country that they would normally not get a chance to visit and order wine from them. Absolutely, yeah. And I think the overall the reason why this is possible is because the wine industry has done a really good job of helping themselves you know, be able to ship to 48 states you know, across okay. the country, right? There's still a couple of holdouts left there, but that's okay. Most people can get most wine across the country now um, uh, by going on and ordering it online. And so because of the fact that that is, you know, available, it, it becomes much easier. Now it's really just about helping uh, organize logistics of how do we, you know, get everybody the same things and how do we all get together at the same time such that we can have this enjoyable experience together. And, it, it, you know, it's uh, – and with all the well, Zoom and all the different ways that you can connect now and, and the YouTubes and stuff like that, it seemed like it would be a lot easier to get a virtual taste together than it uh, than it has been, definitely than it has been, and it seems to be getting mm-hmm. better and better all the time. Uh, do you yeah. – uh, uh, do you basically work with a the winery then? If that is your, your – customer i yes yeah the winery is the, the the customer for sure for us and and helping them um primarily um while we're working we're only we're not exclusively working with wineries we're also working with some um, breweries distilleries and even some food products as well we have a product up um, from a company called tech board that is a a charcuterie board arranging company. So mm-hmm. they, they ship you the, the meats and the cheeses and a slate to go along with your order. And then during your experience, they show you how to cut everything up and arrange it oh, in a way wow. that uh, looks really attractive. Um, and you get to taste all of the things as well. So wow. um, th- I think when we think about tasting, right, wine is the thing that people are most accustomed to thinking about tasting together. But just as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, right, that the real you know, thing that we wanted to do at the beginning of all of this was help people connect and have a shared social experience. And we saw from the very beginning that it isn't just wine that we do this with. We do it with many, many, many things. And so anything that seems reasonable to be able to ship to a group of people um, we're interested in in sort of supporting that and helping people um, have a, a, a connected experience that enables them to uh, to have something in common to taste together in a virtual setting. No, oh, well, that's cool. I just, I, yeah, I, 
uh, meats and cheeses and all sorts of stuff out there. Uh, and the thought occurred to me, whiskey, uh, are you restricted because it is whiskey, or can you do that line also? It's complicated. Um, yeah. Obviously, the <laughs> wine industry has done a very good job of uh, helping themselves be able to, to, to ship to more places. The uh, spirits is a little bit more restricted still. Um, mm-hmm. There is, um, yeah, there's just more regulation uh, when it comes to spirits. And so there are ways in order to be able to do things, but it ends up being cost prohibitive in a lot of senses. Um, unless, um, because of the fact that you really do have to work through the three-tier system, um, you mm-hmm. have to have somebody who is a distiller that is then selling it to um, some sort of a distributor, distributor and, then and then selling then retail, to a retailer, yeah. and then a retailer <laughs> selling to the actual or shipping uh-huh. to the actual consumer. Uh-huh. And so yeah. there's some networks out there that allow for you know um, having a network of retailers, say like a retailer in every state um, mm-hmm. that uh, you can potentially work with. And there's lots of people that are experimenting with a lot of things. There's a lot of online marketplaces right now for spirits. There are, a lot of people are operating in a very murky gray territory and <laughs> we're waiting to see the court cases that come out to figure out, okay, where are we going to end up um, drawing the lines here? But I think in general, we saw during the pandemic that a lot of things got rolled back when it came to regulation with um, spirits, whether they be in restaurants and the sort of like to, to go uh, cup orders. And I think that there's a lot of, it's only moving in the direction where that regulation is getting rolled back more and more and more over time. How quickly it happens is the variable, but I think it will continue to trend in that direction. So we want to be ready to support that when we feel like um, it's really feasible to be able to do that. We, um, so where we find the opportunity, we will definitely support it. It's difficult right now, I'll say that. Oh, with that question, it's difficult. But, you know, it's, I, I think, and you mentioned it uh, quickly in one of the sentences there, that as the consumer starts demanding more and starts telling the government who sets up these regulations, look, we want this to be able to get liquor sent to us. We want to be able to do liquor tasting its own uh, spirits, if you will. It, it's, yeah. I think the more that starts happening, well, the government's always slow on taking up the, the idea and doing it, but I think the more that starts happening, the more it's going to start loosening up the possibilities of it happening because people yeah. see it working with wine. Why not all the different spirit stores around and spirit distilleries around the country who would love to be able to get their product out there also. I mean, it just seems logical. It does. And I think in a world where we all have prime subscriptions at Amazon and we're used to having things shipped to our doors, right? It seems very strange that we can't have these things that we would like to have sent to us, sent to us. Um, you know, the, I mean, the things like um, Drizzly, for example, which is a delivery company for alcohol that was reaches, recently acquired by uh, Uber. Um, was it? it I didn't um, know that. Yeah, so, so Drizzly was uh, acquired by Uber not too long ago, um, maybe a couple months ago or a year ago mm-hmm. at this point. Um, the... Um, that, you know, being – it's really a courier service from wherever your local sort of retail location is to be able to drive it to you um, more so than anything else. Um, but, you know, we are – I think that's evidence of the fact that people are wanting this and expecting this. And I think there will be more and more pressure on uh, legislatures to, uh, to make that available to people. And I think it's you – know, ultimately, it's, it's a free market thing in, in, in a lot of regards. And if – you know, we are uh, if people are safe and are responsible, and we feel like, hey, we can we can do this without um, having to worry about whether underage people are getting um, <laughs> things delivered to them. Which we've shown, <laughs> the industry has shown very very well that they do that. Whether it be the 
the shipping and, and, and those sorts of things. Like, the wine industry doesn't have a problem with this by any means. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem to make sense that the other industries would have any worse of an issue with it either. So I think it, it is all trending in that direction. And like I said, it's a matter of time. It's, <clears throat> no, excuse me. It, you mentioned that with youth, though. I think this is this is the catchphrase for anything when it starts involving alcohol, be it wine, beer, spirits, whatever. Is well, what about the youth? They're going they're going to start ordering it and stuff. And so many studies in so many different places have already shown that that's not the case. But it seems like that's always the default argument. Oh, what about the kids? You know, I mean, if mm-hmm. if a, a, a child wants, I, I say child, if a teenager wants some wine or whiskey or something, he's, <coughs> excuse me, he stands outside the 7-Eleven when somebody walking in the door say, hey, hey, there's 20 bucks, pick me up a whatever. And that's how they yeah, get Ron, it. are you saying that from experience or are you uh... – <laughs> No, I've, I've never done that. And, <laughs> but, you know, you see what I'm saying, though. And Absolutely. They're not going to pick up a credit card and, and order it online and hope that they're there at the door when it comes home so mom and dad don't catch them. That's ridiculous. And Right, and that they don't card me when they, you know, like drop off the package, right? Like, right. You know, I mean, all this is so ridiculous that they they put these restrictions because of the youth. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just, you know, really, obviously, a sour point with me. I mean, as you can obviously tell. Um, But... (laughs) <laughs> well, it's, I, I think the uh, the lobby lobbyists that are trying to keep the three tiered system in place really like to utilize that point as a as a point yeah. of argument. Um, yeah. And um, so I, you know it seems to be working with uh, the people that they're uh, they're giving that argument to, and so you know it's just a matter of uh, like you said the market continuing to uh, demand what it wants and ultimately. That will likely win out in the end. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And the three-tier system, too, is starting to take hits in the wine industry. Uh, it's starting to you know, crumble a little bit in different areas where you don't have to go through that second tier. And mm-hmm. it's, it's starting to loosen up that way. And so because of that, I think it's eventually going to – bleed over into the spirits industry and we'll start seeing a loosening of it because of that also. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the reasons why you see such an explosion in the number of, you know, wineries in the last 10 years, 20 years is because of the fact that it really has opened up to where you can have a wine club and you can go direct to consumer, right? You can have a base of customers that really support you directly as opposed to having to, you know, always go through a distributor and a retailer every single time you want to actually get a bottle of wine to a consumer, right? Um, we do have on-premise sales at wine tasting rooms. And this, you can look at the, the beer industry as well, and you can see the explosion in craft beer. One of the reasons why there's been an explosion in craft beer is because of the on-premise um, sales that uh, breweries are allowed to do. It used to be the case that breweries – had to also go through a distributor and had to also go to a retailer. But now because of the fact that people can actually go to the brewery directly and can buy a draft directly at the brewery, now you see this explosion and all of this competition and vibrancy in um, what we get. And it's, it only ends up being better. The, 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 the beer now that people get to be able to, uh, to um, you know, experience and have is, is – a thousand percent better than it used to be mm-hmm. as a result of opening up that market in that way. So, you know, I think we're already seeing it happening in spirits, like spirits, there's an explosion in, you know, craft and, and, and small batch um, distilleries all over the country at this point, um, even when there's this restriction. So I think it'll open up even more once we finally get to the point where, um, these distilleries can be supported by something like a club and can go direct to consumer in the same sort of way that the wine industry can. Your club, since you're going through the winery itself, and I'm just mm. curious, taxes, 
obviously taxes yep. got to be charged and all that. Do you collect tax on your end of it, or do you leave it up to the winery? Yeah, so at the moment, right, we are – so we're working on integrations with some of the, the wine platforms uh, that are out there. So, for example, Vino Shipper, which is one of the ones that I think 30% of the industry really uses to, in order to be able to um, do their – uh, direct-to-consumer and e-commerce um, sales. Uh, the other big one that's in the, in the play is Wine Direct. Um, but we're in the middle of working through Vino Shipper and having an integration with Vino Shipper where we are actually able to um, just make everything work the same way as any of other uh, e-commerce purchase would happen. And so all of those sales, all of those taxes and things like that get handled through that process. Uh Um, When it comes to people that aren't working with something like that, though, we are operating in a way where we are um, utilizing Stripe. Um, Stripe is a payment processing um, tool that is fairly, um, very, very popular um, to utilize. And we just take the, the overall sale and just transfer it straight over. So there is some work at this point to do on the side of the winery whether it be the accounting team or something like this, in order to be able to assess, right, taxes and remittance and those sorts of things from this. Um, We know that that's an issue and something that we need to figure out. How do we make this not an extra burden um, for people in terms of the uh, making sure that the right tax is getting remitted? Um, so we've had conversations with uh, compliance partners like Avalara or Sobos Ship Compliant that do these sorts of things as well, um, and looking to make integrations with those tools such that all of that can be seamless with the existing systems that people already have set up. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it's just uh, the taxes are always a burden on anyone trying to figure out how much they owe and what they owe. And True. Especially when it comes to alcohol, it's ridiculous. Like I said, I had a winery and I spent I don't know how many hours a month just trying to get everything in the government taxes and state taxes and all that mm-hmm. satisfied. So it can be... You know, actually drive you crazy. <laughs> yes, I think that there's there's many people. I think there's many wineries that say like self distribute to like two or three states or four or five states, right? right? And then that's where you really have to. If you're doing the self distribution, you have to have you have to have that part of your game um, very well polished, right? And oftentimes, if you get more beyond two or three states that you're doing, you really should be using some sort of a software tool that helps you automate the reporting of that and knows, hey, here, based on our point of sale system and our inventory system and what we sold to who, right, here's the, that, what should be remitted to this state. Here's what we should remit to this state. And it just runs reports for you. That's a beautiful thing that technology has been able to uh, help people with, and I think it's one of the best things. You'll save hours and hours and hours. No Mm -hmm. winery, I think, ever regrets um, getting one of those uh, systems. But there is a, you know, at some point it makes sense to get there once you are self-distributing to a certain number of states. Beyond that, there's other tools that can help you get to, to more. So. And, and that's good. They're coming out with more and more too. And and the yep. states, I, I, I the states are helping you a lot too. Uh, had the wine meet for twenty, I don't know, twenty some odd years. And from when we mm-hmm. first started, and the paperwork we had to do was paperwork. It wasn't online mm-hmm. or anything, and it was paper. Right. And then they slowly converted over to the computer, and it was like, oh my gosh, why didn't we do this years ago? I mean, it was so much easier. Right. Yeah, and so they they are improving in a lot of areas on that, but it's it's still still a burden. You know, I, I just yeah, absolutely. Used, I used to battle it, battle it every month. Um, so the the tasting club, do you find customers? Do you help the wineries find customers, uh, or do you, do you just say, okay, Mister Winery? this is what we can do for you to set up so that you will have a wonderful tasting. Or do you say, okay, we can find some customers for you and help you create this wonderful tasting. How, how do you work that? Yeah. So we, we sort of give the option to choose. So if you, if the, um, 
if the winery that we're working with just wants the technology to be able to help them be more efficient and we'll give them the technology such that they can, you know, have a, uh, they can set up their listings and they can have a, a page on their website that is powered by Tasting Club. Um, oh, really? Oh. And just have all of their existing customers, yep, uh, purchase tasting experiences. Or if they want to include their tasting experiences in our overall marketplace that we then uh, are advertising to and bringing new buyers to, um, they can include their tasting experiences in that marketplace. So oh, wow. we give the option to, to choose there um, as to you know, whether they want to, to do that or not. Oh, I'm, okay. So you, you actually can find customers. You can turn it over to them. Just let them take care of it, though, using your basic concepts and ideas. Oh, that's cool. Correct. Um, yes. So there's no reason why, hey, you want to do a public tasting, you want to do a, a tasting experience, you want to advertise it to your entire list of existing customers. Great. Do that, right? Um, mm -hmm. You can um, set up a tasting experience and use the technology. Um, if you want us to uh, actually bring new customers to you, we can definitely do that uh, as well for an additional cost um, right. for bringing you the new people, right? So we're trying to make sure that we have the right tenants in place to say, okay, if we're bringing you new people, right, um, we'd, we'd like to be compensated for that. Oh, of course. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You know, you're like, uh, you know, when you go out and find customers, it's only, only right that you are compensated for it. How many wineries are under your your umbrella now how many have you worked with and how many have you done tastings and all that with yeah so we've got uh three at the moment uh we've got uh keswick winery up in charlottesville we've got oak barrel um, that's in virginia as well and we've got jkh winery that is out in california um we've um, done tastings with uh, four of, or all three of those wineries at this point. Um, and so we're at, we're at the beginning stages of things and sort of learning from everybody as to, mm -hmm. um, you know, what do they want and what do they really, what is really going to solve good problems for them. So um, it's fun. It's a, it's a good experience sort of like learning and figuring out and building and, and, and introducing new things to people and, um, it's fun to sort of work with all of these initial groups that we're working with to uh, to refine um, what it is that we're building. Do you have an icon on their their web pages or their uh, that's Tasting Club, and so people can click on there and? They, I mean, the best way to find them at this point would just be to go to the Tasting Club website directly, tastingclub.app. They don't have. We, they don't have on their websites a direct sort of like page that's powered by us as of yet. We're actually launching that next week. Um, oh, wow. so we're excited about that. Um, yes. But um, we, uh, the best way to find those tasting experiences is just go directly to the to the website. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, well, it sounds like you guys are young and you're going to grow. You're going to be big. Uh, you know, you have nothing but, we but can, great stuff. That's what we hope. That's what, yeah. we hope. that's what we hope. Yeah. Mike, do you have any questions or comments or anything to Bradley? Uh, well, I, don't, I guess I'm on. Yeah. Uh, who is responsible for the virtual meeting platform and uh, setting it up? I mean, we talked about Zoom and all that, but uh, yeah, do you yeah. handle that then? Or, or do the wineries uh, have to do it? We handle that at the moment. The way that we do this is we, as soon as the, the facilitator approves the date and the time for the experience, we put a calendar event on their calendar with the Zoom link. Uh, we default to Zoom right now. We sort of know and understand that sometimes, you know, certain groups can't use Zoom for whatever reason. So if we need to switch to Teams or some other sort of tool, it's easy enough for us to be able to do that. But we handle the the, the actual setting up of like the Zoom link and where people are going to meet and all that sort of thing, so that the the winery doesn't have to do that and offer the support to people as well when they're having struggling to say like, oh, I'm not being able to get on. Great, we'll take care of that, so that the facilitator can just move forward with actually doing the tasting, and we can get those other people on as we need to. No, very good. 
what is the uh, average time for a, a virtual tasting? Uh, the average time is an hour. Um, we, we recommend an hour. It, it's depending upon the group. Um, you know, facilitating a group of five to ten, uh, you know, uh, sorority sisters is very different from facilitating a group of fifty, you know, employees at a for a corporate event. And so, this is where some nuanced coaching comes in to actually saying, hey, how do what's what should your agenda be, and how should you actually facilitate this experience versus that experience? Um, but sometimes, you know, we say the the average is the hour. For the friends and family groups that are, that are more so there to, to socialize, we encourage people to move through the tasting experience a little bit more quickly to allow for that group to be able to then on the other side of that be able to catch up and socialize the way that they might want to. Whereas that wouldn't really be the case for something that would be happening for a larger corporate group, for example. So on average, it's an hour, and that's what we ask the facilitators to uh, set aside for any virtual tasting experience that they are doing. The expectation is that it should be an hour of the facilitator's time. Yeah, good. Okay, thank you. Now that, that's all I got. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so so awesome. the tasting club is going to be something we're going to see in the Fortune 500 in a few years. And we can say that we knew Bradley back when he was just just a beginner. Uh, before I forget you, DeWitt or DeWet? It's DeVet. So oh, the I said that all wrong, didn't I? It, yeah. Right. The South African heritage means that the uh, the last name is very Dutch, and so the W sounds like a V, so it's DeVet. DeVet. Oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> I was really wrong on that, wasn't I? Uh, okay. So, well... Uh, Give us your, your contact information, any wineries that are listening to the program, and we do have wineries that listen to the program. Um, give us your contact information, way that they can get a hold of you, phone number, and email address, uh, Facebook, uh, website, all that stuff that uh, uh, yes. someone can get a hold of yeah. you. The best way for uh, people to get a hold of me is to shoot me an email. It's just bradley at tastingclub.app. Um, or um, go to the uh, the website tastingclub.app and uh, shoot me a, a chat message on the website. That's easy enough to to do as well. Um, so those are the the best ways to get in contact with me. Otherwise, most active on LinkedIn is probably the place to uh, the, that I end up spending more time in terms of uh, social media. Oh, okay. Dot app. Oh, uh, dot app. Yes. Dot app. Dot a p p. Boy, that's that's new. I'm not familiar with dot app, um, hmm. but there's a lot of new ones out there. Uh, okay, so, there uh, are a lot of new ones out there. <laughs> yeah, you're always hearing something different all the time. Uh, yeah. Any last uh, any last uh, comments or anything, Bradley? Uh, no, I would just say thanks so much for uh, for spending the time and uh, for. Yeah. Um, uh, talking a little bit with me about the future of what uh, virtual tastings look like and what we can uh, uh, look forward to enjoying when it comes to having, you know, uh, intimate conversations with those who are really at the forefront of crafting uh, wine. I, well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us tonight. It was very informative. I, uh, I see the virtual tastings continuing in fact, I've mentioned this over and over uh, on the program, and it's going to be something that's going to keep on going. And I, companies like yours and yours particularly is going to be in the forefront of that to keep those things going and make it a an experience for everyone out there that they will, will talk about and look for more. So thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us tonight. It was quite informative and very interesting. And uh, best of luck to you and your partner in the Tasting Club. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Thanks, Mike. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Thank Take you. care. Too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Very cool. Interesting. That was good talk with him. He, he knew he knew his stuff and uh, not just in the tasting club, but, you know, all the stuff that's associated with it. Obviously, he has done his research and uh, – he knows, you know, the whole infrastructure of doing this tasting and all that. So that was interesting. I enjoyed that. So 
uh, or 8.04 well. on uh, Thursday evening, the 12th of May. Don't forget to tune in mm-hmm. Saturday morning to Mike uh, for his radio program from 7 to 9. And as a program note, this, this Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we are doing an interview, uh, actually doing a program. Do you have that on your schedule there, Mike? I don't uh, know. Uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm, pretty sure it's this, I'm pretty sure it's this Saturday. We have a program scheduled at 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> Because they wanted to do it on a Saturday. Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Well, let's see. And it's from yeah. England. And, uh, yeah. Or from Gusborne Wines in Appledore, Ackford, Kent, the United Kingdom. will be that's right. live yeah. on, uh, on Saturday, Saturday 10 a.m. Eastern Time, May 21st. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, 10, which will be 3 o'clock United Kingdom time. That's where we're doing it then. So uh, after you listen to Mike's radio program for a couple of hours, then at 10 o'clock we are going to be interviewing Laura. And mm-hmm. uh, she is, like Mike just said, from uh, from England. So uh, Laura Rice, Rice uh, she is a master sommelier, and so she will probably be quite interesting and uh, also they do I think it's a champagne is one of their feature wines at the winery there so this should be a good mm. interview so after like I say listen to Mike from 7 to 9 on Sky uh, Sky Blue Radio and then flick over to All About Wine at 10 o'clock we will be live and then next week I think we have a guest also already um uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we'll probably replay Laura's interview the week after. If we don't have another guest, then we'll see what's happening. And then we need to get Andrew. Andrew? Was that it? That we lost last Saturday morning. Uh, Andrew? Or Sunday morning. Uh, We need to get him back on. Sunday. Sunday morning, yeah. We need to get him back on and finish the interview with him. So... We got a busy month here, and it looks like it might bleed on into June. Uh, some of the interviews and some of the shows and all that. So, stay with us on All About Wine, and we'll uh, we'll keep you informed. If uh, I'm sure all the guests will be as as informative as Bradley just was. So, well, uh, so tune in uh, tune in to the next show on Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, live, and uh, and. Next Thursday again. So next Thursday uh, live. We have guests. So yep. yep. Um, have a great week and uh, rest of the week and weekend ahead and be safe and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next one. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Be thanks. safe out there. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. There we go. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.